I love the way this always comes together. I pray and meditate. I'm first told that I'm going to be doing the talk and the date I'm going to be doing it. And then I'm guided, I don't know how, all of a sudden the talk title comes to me. And today's talk title is Beginning at the End, The Final Teachings. And I knew immediately that that was about the crucifixion. And I'm like, it's the beginning of January. We just celebrated Jesus' birth. Why am I talking about the crucifixion? And very quickly I realized it's because it's the beginning. It's the beginning of a new year. It's the beginning of a new decade. It's the beginning of a new day. And we can always celebrate new beginnings, right, at any moment. As a matter of fact, in 12-step rooms, they say, I'm going to start my day new right now. So we can do that at any moment. And we're talking about Jesus. And if you're not comfortable with the name Jesus or the word Jesus, just remember, here at Unity, we don't worship Jesus. We don't see him as a Messiah. Jesus was just our teacher. And... You know, it's interesting because when this talk came to me also, when all my talks come to me, I know, and I shared this with a friend not too long ago, I'm going to have to live what it is I'm teaching. And sometimes that isn't really comfortable. You'll hear more about that in a little bit. But Jesus came, the main points for Jesus' life here on earth was to teach us love to teach us that God is love, to teach us to love one another, to teach us that as human beings, we are separate, but we are also all one. But to attain this spiritual level, we need to release all criticism, release all prejudice, and start to strive to manifest the Christ virtues of forgiveness, tolerance, and love. And forgiveness is the big one. That was the lesson this week for me. Uh, oh, gosh. Probably 30 years ago, I went to a workshop called EE, The Essential Experience. It's a four-day intensive workshop. Maybe some of you have heard of EST or Life Spring or something like that. So that's what this was like. And in this workshop, you get a partner. And you become really close to this partner, like they're your best friend or sister or brother. And you go through the whole weekend with them. And you have this bond. And one of the last exercises is you're standing in front of your partner and they, they do this, um, I don't know if it's an example, or you're in a place in your life where you really need this person who's in front of you. You really need their help. You really need their support. And just so that you know, the name of the exercise is called the slap. And your partner has to stand there and look at you in tears or whatever and say, sorry, I can't help you. And it's devastating. Except just FYI, I couldn't say no to my partner. I'm like, no matter what, I'll be there for you. <laughs> anyway, um, I learned back then how codependent I was, but that's okay. <laughs> so this week, uh, I had to ask for something or make a suggestion, share what was going on in my life, and needed some help. And this person said no. And it stung. It took me back. And at, I was really angry at first. And so I start doing what I do. And I had to do some forgiveness. But I'm actually jumping ahead. I want to talk a little bit more about what's 
made me get to that point, and it is, you know, when we're talking about the crucifixion, what crucifixion means is the wiping out of the personal ego, the wiping out of the personality. The Metaphysical Bible Dictionary describes the crucifixion as Jesus, the intellect, the man, was crucified at the place of the skull. That's this town called Golgotha. And metaphysically, what that means is the place of the skull. So that the Christ or the truth can become all in all. So it's giving up all of our personality. In the revealing word, the crucifixion means the surrendering or death of the whole personality in order that the Christ mind may be expressed in all its fullness. The crossing out in consciousness of errors that have become fixed states of mind, to deny the human self so that we can unite with the selfless. To give up the mortal so that we can unite with the immortal and to dissolve the thought of the physical body so we can realize the spiritual body. The Your Hope of Glory, which is a main book that I used for this talk, says that the crucifixion symbolizes the crossing out of all mortal consciousness in order to make way for the coming forth of the Christ self. Now the cross itself is the crystallization of two currents of thought. The vertical bar represents the inner current of the divine mind, right? It's our connection to what's above us. It's the connection to the higher mind. The horizontal bar represents the human consciousness, the current of the human consciousness, the limitation of the mind. It burdens the body with all its erroneous beliefs, that horizontal bar. But they both intersect at the heart because they're needed for both. The cross symbolizes a symbol of the forces in man adjusted to the right action. So in your hope of glory, I spoke that Jesus was crucified in Golgotha. Charles Fillmore states that the place, a place of the skull, which is what Golgotha is, is the seat of the conscious mind is the front of the brain and there the will is, has established its dominion. There all things affecting the body are either admitted or rejected. Even spiritual truth has to be admitted through this door before it can become part of the consciousness. It is there that the human will, will must be crossed out to give the divine will free expression. So what an appropriate pr place for Jesus to be crucified so that he can get rid of the human will, so that he could be gone. Now, this was a very interesting thing that I never knew. I knew before Jesus was actually put up on the cross, I knew that he was offered wine with myrrh in it. What I didn't know was this was like a narcotic. It was to anesthetize the pain because crucifixion is one of the most excruciating ways to die. And Jesus denied it. He said, no, thank you. But to Jesus, this, was, this offering was evidence of compassion on the part of the Roman ex executioners because the narcotic cocktail would dull the excruciating pain. In Mark 15, 23, Jesus did not take this narcotic because he chose to be in full control of his faculties. The crucifixion was to be a, a crucial moment in his life. He would meet it with the Father, whose love and mercy he was confident.
Some days I can't get through a day without a glass of wine. I can't imagine facing a crucifixion and saying, okay, I'm gonna do this with nothing. Talk about faith. He saw the narcotic as a loving offering and he accepted that love. He saw these people as loving and compassionate, these people that were gonna nail him to the cross. And it was that love that carried him to the cross in gratitude for his brothers and sisters who were there with him. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't go through my day that way. I need to ask for help all the time. And sometimes I even forget to ask for help because I think I know, I think my ego knows the right way. So the seven last words or the seven last teachings of Jesus were symbolized the steps needed to take to overcome the mortal mind. And all these seven words were not recorded in any one gospel. They were taken from different gospels. And the first three hours after Jesus was placed on the cross, he spoke three times. And in these words, he fulfilled his entire obligation to humankind. Does anyone know what the first words were? Forgive them for they know not, not what, what they, they do. And that's what brought me to the story of this week, right? I had to forgive because I felt so devastated. But I had to forgive. And I, had, and I was like, oh, man. There it is, the first teaching. Forgive. Forgive them for they know not what they do. That's Luke 23, 34. And he was saying this about his persecutors. And it reveals Jesus forgiving love. Unforgiveness is the most destructive emotion and is based on a lack of understanding. A lack of understanding that we are all one. A lack of understanding that we are human, that we make mistakes, that we don't understand everything that's going on. Sean always says, if you didn't get a yes, it's not over yet. Or you didn't ask the right person. Right? Isn't that one of Sean's teachings? So it's going on. It's constantly unraveling. And we have to remember, those who are unjust do not know any better, so we need to pray for them and love them. And as we do, we're entering into the Christ consciousness of forgiveness. And what that guarantees us is our own forgiveness of ourselves and forgiveness from others also. It may not be in our timing, but ultimately we will be forgiven. Now, I happen to use something called Ho'oponopono. And I don't know, does anybody here have anything to forgive anywhere in their life? Yeah, I mean, we all, even if it's how we react to the person who cuts us off on the highway, can we say, instead of, you know, using whatever words we use, can we say, forgive them, they know not what they do, right? Could you imagine going through life that way? Or even, like, if we have any financial debt, credit card debt, that's a sign that we need to do some forgiveness in our life. Or if there's any family members that we still, I had um, a massage therapist once who worked for me for many years at this big corporation and she decided that she didn't want to work for me anymore. So she went directly to the management of this company and they decided to hire her. Now that was probably, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. And five years ago, I thought I was, you know, had totally forgiven her and everything until I saw her at Michael's. I wanted to choke her. <laughs> but, so today I'm here to say I think I've forgiven her, but I still do this work. And the, the whole Pono Pono is, and Gabe and I do it every morning, and we've actually seen 
a shift in our relationship and we've seen shifts in other relationships, people that were estranged from us who now are back in our lives. And, and, and it happened like within three or four months of us starting to say this every day. Ho'oponopono, I've shared before, is I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I forgive you, and I love you. And you say it to yourself, you say it with somebody else in mind, it doesn't matter because when you say it, you're saying it to yourself for yourself. And it changes our vibration. So that's one little tool that you can, that you can take with you. But that's why I was talking about the slap and the, the workshop. So I had to use that this week in what happened for me. And it was so interesting because it steps right into what the next teaching was. But I want to share with you what the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the New Testament says, the, the Christ within does not crucify. Because that voice knows no crucifixion. To crucify is to want somebody or something dead. And this voice that wants something dead is a voice of fear. It's the voice of the ego. It's not the voice of love. And we can always find both of them in our heart. Well, no. We can always find both of them in our lives, but we can only find the voice of love in our heart. And the voice of fear is coming from our head, is coming from our mind or ego. So we have to look beyond that voice of fear to the beauty that lies within, to the beauty that lies within the slap. Because there's always beauty there. Sometimes it takes a while to see it. But the, the voice of love is our true voice and it can never be taken away. That was a promise. That's ours forever and ever. We just have to look for it. And it has no purpose other than love, acceptance, joy, and oneness. And that is what Jesus came here to teach. That was his whole purpose. And it really, you know, he was born, and then we didn't hear anything about him for 30 years. And then it's the last three years of his life that we got to hear what his teachings were. And then came this particular event in his life. So the second teaching was, one of the criminals that hung next to Jesus said, remember me when you come into the kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And that's Luke 23, 43. And this was a promise that Jesus made. It was a promise of mercy by asking for help. And the criminal asked and Jesus gave. This is to remind us whenever we turn to God and ask for help, it is always freely given. And once we accept that, then we get to live in paradise. We find peace. So after saying this prayer, Ho'oponopono, holding this incident in my mind, I came to a, a place a little bit more peaceful, but not quite so much. So I made a phone call to a friend. And that friend said some things to me that made it so much easier to go from anger to just sadness, but acceptance. She said, Teresa, this happens for a reason. And you don't know if it's the end yet. And you know so much. You've done this for so long. So to have, continue to have your faith that more will be revealed. And it was really helpful for me to not hold this person hostage, to not have a resentment, because what is resentment? Taking poison but expecting the other person to die, right? So I didn't want to have this resentment in me anymore. I wanted to just release it and trust and have faith. So the third teaching, Jesus saw his mother, Mary, and John Baptist, they were together. He said, woman, behold your son. 
behold your mother. For the rest of her life, John lived with her. So this was Jesus willingly and lovingly discharging his human responsibilities of, you know, as the son, he's supposed to take care of his mother. But he knew he wasn't going to be able to. So this action provides for those who give, who have the right or a right to expect provisions from you or from him. John took Mary, took care of Mary because Jesus could not. To discharge our human responsibilities willingly and lovingly is a part of spiritual unfoldment. This brings me to two things. In the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the New Testament, right reason of Holy Spirit are different than characteristics of right reasons of ego. When we hand things off from the Holy Spirit place within us, we're not looking for anything in return. We take time to seek for why from the kingdom within. Jesus did not leave his mother's care to one of his disciples because they weren't there. You would think because they, they taught with him and they worked with him, he would have left, him, left his mother's care to one of his disciples, but that's an egoic thought. John was right there, so he left her care to him. Right reason comes from a willingness to trust. Jesus trusted this order and discharged his mother's care to the perfect person. You will know when we follow, we will know when we follow the reason of Holy Spirit because the action will not fight for a desired outcome. Have you ever caught yourself fighting for a desired outcome? I know I did that this week. I was like, this is the way I want it. And it's like, that might not be in my highest good. We've got a while to go. There could be so much more that can happen that's in my highest good. It will be an action of faith and trust with all else given to God. So have you ever thought about how it is to hand it over? Another example for me in my life was the difference in watching both my mom pass and my father pass. My mother was so willing to hand everything over. She handed her life over. It was a miracle the way she was like, done, I'm done, see you guys, and she left. My father hung on and hung on and hung on to the point where he wasn't even living in his own home for a year, but he didn't want to get rid of the home. He didn't want the home cleared out. He was hanging on. And death is a process of letting go. That's why meditation is so important while we're alive because meditation is a process of letting go. So meditation actually prepares us for death to some degree because when we're there taking our last breath, it's a process of letting go. So meditation can help us get there. So those were the first three teachings. Those were, that fulfilled Jesus' purpose for being here. So you forgive, ask for help, ask for mercy, and be willing to give away what is yours to give away. Be willing to provide what is yours to provide. Hand it off to somebody else. It also, that one also makes me think about how we're all one, right? Jesus, it, Mary was Jesus's mother, but if we're all one, you could say Mary was also John's mother to some degree, right? We all have a chosen family, so we can look at it that way to have, make it be a little bit easier. So Jesus was on the cross for another three hours. From noon till shortly after three, it got very dark in the whole land during this time, and he didn't say a thing. He didn't say a word until just before three o'clock when he uttered a cry of desolation and physical anguish. Jesus' fourth teaching, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And this is in Mark 
15:34. Jesus is expressing the isolation and aloneness he feels while on trial. Have you ever felt that when you're going through a really hard time and you feel like you're alone? You're doing it alone. You cannot get yourself out of that situation. His expression of this releases the aloneness for himself and for us. Experiencing periods of darkness and doubt, we can all remember Jesus passed through a similar period. As for him, it was comparatively short time, as it will be for us when it's over. Now, isn't that the truth? When we're on the other side of anything that's really hard, doesn't it feel like, well, that didn't take so long when we're on the other side of it. But when we're going through it, not only does it feel long, it feels a lot harder than what it is. And I personally believe it's because when we're on the other side, we've had a healing, right? We're a bigger person. We're a brighter person. So that we can remember. I want to read some things from the Holy Spirit's interpretation. The perspective of the crucifixion through the lens of the unhealed mind is a perspective of pain and suffering. By the way, that's what it was for me. I remember the first time I had to write a paper on it, I was did not want to do it. It was the hardest thing. And growing up in the Catholic religion, we had something called the Stations of the Cross that my mother would go to every Friday night of Lent, I think it was, and I would have to go and I'd sit there and I'd like plug my ears because I did not want to hear what he had to go through. To see it this way, just makes me so happy. The unhealed son of God cannot imagine the blessings that are upon him, and so he must be taught through Jesus' perspective of the event of the crucifixion and of his seeming death. Jesus is a symbol of both teacher and learner that all may learn the truth. The perspective of the unhealed mind is that of darkness and of being forsaken are cut off from the mercy of God. The perspective of the healed mind is the joy of knowing itself as one with God, having never been separate and never able to be separate. The perspective of the unhealed mind is that of bodies, of suffering, of judgment, and of guilt. The perspective of the healed mind is that of peace and gratitude for knowing beyond all possible doubt that illusions are illusions and only the truth is true forever and always. The perspective of the unhealed mind is that of separateness and specialness and of being apart. The perspective of the healed mind is completion and wholly joyous. I definitely want the healed perspective. I've lived the unhealed perspective for a long time. I'm ready, ready and willing. So the fifth teaching I thirst is in John 19:28. This symbolizes Jesus's physical distress of his body. But in spiritual unfoldment, we trust we I'm sorry, we must know the body is not limited to the physical, but is composed of divine divine substance and activated by divine intelligence. Our bodies are the temple of God, and it needs to be fully met by drinking living water. And what living water is, is the word of Christ, is the word within us that speaks only of love, only of joy, only of forgiveness. Jesus voiced the demand of his body and remained faithful. 
He accepted the act of mercy from the soldier who put um, vinegar on a sponge and put it up to his lips, but he didn't take it. He's like, nope, I'm good. And it showed the heights to which his consciousness had risen. So he was vacillating back and forth while he was up there on the cross, but very close to death at this point. The sixth teaching, it is finished. And this is in John 1930. Jesus knew his work and suffering was almost over. His mission to show the way, the truth and the life was accomplished. When he kept the faith as we go through, when we keep the faith as we go through a trial, we come to a place of knowing we have done all that we could possibly do and God is in control. God's will will be done. So we get to do all the footwork. We vacillate from thinking we're in control to knowing that we're not, to doing things our way, to letting go and saying, I'm going to hand this over to God. And then finally we realize God's will will be done. I'm done. Suffering is merely an experience of choice. It has no reality and it does not affect our eternal truth, right? Our eternal truth, our spiritual truth. There is no truth in death. Death is an illusion. And the seventh teaching is the release. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. This is the complete surrender to God. Thine will be done. Our will becomes his will and there is no way to fail, only victory. These words exemplify the significance of Jesus' death because they declare that the self was not stolen from God but was one of God and was the same as God. He's saying our spirit is going to go on forever. It's just our body. The nature of God is life. God is gifted or God has gifted each of us life and it will not be taken away. It is ours eternally. When we surrender to this gift, this truth, we live life in love. What can the acceptance of eternal life be except eternal gratitude, which is love? So I've changed my perspective of this crucifixion, and I wanted to keep on digging deeper into it and I guess still learn more about forgiveness. But And I will because next month's talk is about forgiveness still. But anyway, uh, God is love. And all of these teachings are about coming back to love, coming from love. So I release my thoughts of suffering from the crucifixion and know that I am one with God and I just have to remember that and ask and it is given. And so it is. Amen. <laughs>